0: We can do better than that. Good morning, late Church. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Turn your Bibles to the 73rd Psalm, Psalm 73. And we're going to be talking about the goodness of the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's good to remind ourselves of the goodness of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Especially in dark times, especially in times in which it's kind of confusing and situations are going on in which everything is, is uh, you know, blaring at us that God may not be what he says he is, the believer should always go back and refresh themselves Amen. on the goodness of the Lord. Amen? Amen? And so this message this morning is a message that I believe will be a great encouragement to you uh, because over the past couple of years, uh, many people have had to really stand and really fight the good fight of faith, and uh, they've had to resist the devil, and they've had to continuously keep and be vigilant. You know, it just seemed like there was just, uh, there's been a time in, where there was really no rest from the vigilance. Come on, can anybody say amen? Because that's the kind of way that I felt is, it was just consistent, standing, uh, you know, one would pop up and you'd have another challenge and then it would dissipate Then you'd have another. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, and so it had to be vigilant, you know. But what has happened uh, a lot of times is, is people have gotten tired. And that's really what the, the Bible says in Daniel uh, chapter 9. It says very clearly that The enemy will wear out the saints. Amen? Will wear out the saints. And that's really what he seeks to do is just to wear us out. Hey, buddy, how we doing? Good to see you. He wants to wear us out and wear us down. Amen? Because if he can't take you out, he's going to make you tired. Because when you're tired, you'll have a tendency to go to sleep. And when you put a sleeping person next to a dead person, unless you're really intuitive... It doesn't, it looks the same. Come on now, it looks the same. So if he can't eliminate you, he will eliminate you uh, by just creating this hectic schedule and routine that just causes you to be just tired and unable to answer the call of the master. Amen? And so this is going to be an encouragement to you in the sense that there's been an over attitude, a prevailing attitude in the church that the Lord really made me aware of. I really wasn't picking it up. And the Lord says the people are tired and they're beginning to doubt my goodness. Amen. They're beginning to doubt my goodness. And then you have people that get in pulpits and they say confusing things about God and talk about him out of both sides of their mouth, you know, either God's good or he's not. Amen? Either he's good or he's not. And God is absolutely good. Amen? He is absolutely good. And you've got to settle that in your heart. And that's what we're going to do here today. But you can't establish that if you are guilty of some of the things that we're going to find in the 73rd Psalm here. So I'm going to delve right in because I'm going to try to get through most of this Psalm before two o'clock this afternoon. And so (laughs) but uh, I believe this is going to put some meat on your bones and help you. It's going to cause you to maybe change your thinking a little bit and, um, and help you encourage you. Amen. So this is a Psalm of Asaph and Asaph was someone that ministered in the sanctuary of God. He wrote many Psalms. And, uh, so he, um, he is expressing the attitude of of a believer, someone who is sold out to God and wants to serve God with all his heart. And I believe everybody here wants that desire, wants to serve God with all their heart, wants to. But, you know, it's been confusing times, been confusing times. And so our faith in the Lord has been tested, you know, time and time again. And people are getting the attitude and beginning to doubt his goodness Because of the situations that are popping up and popping up and popping up. Listen, if God is your problem, you don't have a solution. There's absolutely no solution whatsoever. And you can't have faith if God is not absolutely good. There's no way you can express faith in a God that you do not believe is not good. He is good and he does good. Amen. He doesn't, he isn't just good. He does good things. Amen. How many have found that to be true? The enemy wants to convince you and attribute his works to the Father. He wants you to see the Father in a negative light, see him in a way that's impersonal and get away the intimacy that it that the Lord Jesus opened the veil to. He wants you to stay away from him, treat him like a landlord, treat him like a military father, treat him come on now, treat him like some kind of authoritarian figure and where there's no intimacy in your life because intimacy and power go hand in hand, amen? And so the psalmist, he says this, truly God is good to Israel. Now he starts off with the statement of all statements. This is what he believes, but he's not experiencing it in his life, but he's saying it as truth, truly, God is good to Israel. Now, we could take it in our time, we could say, truly, God is good to his people. Amen? God is good to his people. And he goes on and he says, to those who are pure in heart. So God is good to his people. He is good to those who are pure in heart. That's a statement. That's the statement of all statements. If your theology is not grounded in this truth, your theology will fail you. If you do not believe that truly God is good, your, your theology can be manipulated by doctrines of devils. Amen? It can be manipulated and altered. And according to your mood, according to your circumstances, your thoughts of God will be changed like the waves on the sea and you'll have no stability whatsoever in your life because you'll think, is God mad at me today? Does God love me today? And listen, majority of counseling issues that pastors have or that Christian counselors have are based upon this very simple fact. Does God love me and accept me? Come on now. Because people wrestle with that. They wrestle with that. They're not they, they they love the word, but they don't know the word. There's people that will tell you, I love my Bible. Well, do you know what it says? No, not really. Okay, well, you know, listen, they love God and they love the word, they just don't know what it says. And so circumstances come and situations come in their life and they begin to try to interpret God's will based upon the exterior. And you can't determine God's will based upon whether your life's going smooth or your life's going bad. You determine God's will by his word. Right. I would get a better amen than that. Amen. Because there's times when you're doing absolutely good physically, you know, materially, and not doing very good spiritually. And there are times in which you're just over the roof spiritually, but your circumstances may not be very good at all. So you can't go by the various fleeces of life. You can't go by, well, if God, if you open this door, I'll know it's you. You don't get into that. You're led by the Spirit and by the Word of God. Amen? And God is good because His Word says He's good. Not because you feel it. Not because things are going good for you, God is good when things are going bad for you. Come on now. God is good because He is goodness. He is good. He doesn't have it, He is it. And we've got to establish that in our heart. Truly, God is good to His people. Truly, God is good to His people. Truly, truly, God is good. To his To his people. So that means he doesn't put cancer on you. He didn't send that tornado, he didn't flood your house. Hello? It is not an act of God when some catastrophic event happens, God is good. Jesus came to delineate that. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, do floods steal, kill, and destroy? Absolutely they do. Tornadoes, do they steal, kill, and destroy? Then they can't be of God. Because God's good. See, God is good is the highest qualitative in the universe. There's no better best. God is good. Good is the top level in the kingdom of God. There's no better best, but the enemy wants to, t- wants to convince you that there's a better best. That's the reason why when you get a survey, they say, good, better, best. Good being the lowest. Good is associated with mediocrity. That's a dig against God. The devil wants to think that he, the human condition is better best. Oh, come on now. Then the goodness of God. God's good is the highest level. Of quality in the entire creation. And good in in its definition means wholeness, completeness, holiness, righteousness, sanctification, healing, restoration, everything. God is all of that. Amen? He is good. So everything he touches is good. Everything he does is good. There may be people in your life that you might question their motives towards you and their counsel towards you as whether or not they're really got your best interest at heart. But I'm here to tell you, even in God's correction and chastisement, he is good. You got to establish that. That has to be the foundation for your life. If you don't believe God is good, how can you believe him to heal your body? How can you believe him to prosper you? How can you believe to prosper your business or to cause your married relationship to go to new levels? How can you even believe if God is wishy-washy and kind of is moved on and has the uh, emotional equivalent, you know, to someone with a, you know, uh, bipolar disorder? then there's absolutely no way that I can put any faith on any given day because I can't tell where he's at. Have you ever had people that you just couldn't tell where you were at with them every single day, maybe multiple times a day? Look straight ahead. You don't need to... (laughs) You don't have any idea where you're saying, I mean, my goodness, one mood, they're in this mood and the next... You know, in the afternoon, they're in a different mood. And in the night, they're in a different mood. Well, people attribute that to God. Then God changes all the time. He says, no, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's always on. God's always good. God always cares. God always, Amen. amen. So he's saying right here, right off the bat, truly, God is good to Israel and to those who are pure in heart. God is good. But notice what he says. But as for me, no, we're talking about Asaph. We're not talking about a heathen. We're not talking about someone that doesn't know God and serve God. We're talking about a servant of God who serves God in the tabernacle. This is someone who is intimately involved in the sacrifices and the rituals of the Old Testament and has seen the Shekinah glory of God. This is someone that's on the inner circle, so to speak, Because, you know, the common man couldn't go into the presence of the Lord, only the priest. So he was a priest, okay? Asaph, okay? And he says, as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Now, where did he stumble and where did he slip? Well, I submit to you that one of the greatest places of stumbling and the greatest place of slipping is in the goodness of God. The greatest temptation that will come against your life is to doubt the goodness of God. Because we live in an unfair world. We live in a world where the righteousness of God is not supreme and not ruling everything in the world. In fact, very, you know, much of the world is under the sway or the Bible says the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. So we don't see righteousness we don't see justice. We don't see these wonderful good things of God. Now in heaven, God's got everything totally under control. Amen. Do you think there's crime rate in heaven? You think they had COVID deaths in heaven? Hello? No. They didn't have anything cuz God's completely under has heaven completely under his sovereign control. But as he progresses down to the world, he's given the world to men. And men, under the influence of either Satan or God, influence the world. And so we have we don't see the things clearly. We don't see the things of God clearly. Even when they're projected in the church, they're not fully seen as clearly as they would be in heaven. Amen? That's the reason why we're called to pray that uh, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? And so... Uh, we can get fatigued and stumble when we face a loss in our life, when something tra- some transition happens and our life isn't as stable as it once was, or some kind of uh, tragedy has happened in our life, or maybe to someone that we love, and it alters our perception. And the temptation, as always, well, God allowed it, or even God did this. Now I've had people up here doing, and you know, they weren't my ministers, because I'd whip them. I'd take out, I'd get a cord and whip, whip them right when they were saying it. Hello, but I've had ministers that have come and spoken for families, and they'll get up and they'll say, "Well." God needed a flower, and so he plucked this dear brother up, you know, and planted him in heaven. God's desire is for no one to perish. Death is not a design of God. Did you know that? You were never meant to die. So why are we attributing to that? I mean, clearly, how many times did Jesus say this? That God is not the God of the dead. Oh, I'm stepping, I hear a sacred cow. God is not a God of the dead, he's a God of the living. Amen? But we think he's, you know, in association with the death angel, and he... Seeing, you know, he he kills people and stuff like that. And, you know, the the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Hello? You need to understand that. Because if God isn't good, then how can you believe? It's the cornerstone of your whole belief system. Amen? If you're in a hospital room maybe some are watching on their phone in a hospital room, and you have any slight thought that God has put you in that place and afflicted you, how can you believe God to get out of that bed? If we just think, if we would just process the thinking and and put it under the microscope of the Word of God, we wouldn't be asking such stupid questions and thinking such silly things. Hello? Amen? It's amazing how we have to go over these things. It's just absolutely amazing. I intentionally set out to not talk about something like this. I intentionally say, you know what? I'm going to get away from that. We're going to go into something deeper, you know, and stuff like that. And every time... I don't know. It must be someone outside watching in another country that's dragging me into this thing to try to get you to understand that God is not your problem. He's your solution. Well, people think God's their problem sometimes. Amen. Now, how did his steps slip? How did he begin to stumble? Well, he tells us, verse number three. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. One of the things that will screw you up and mess with you is when you see the world prosper in your suffering. That's one of the main things. Now, some of you are going to be very silent, okay? because you don't want to admit that you weren't envious of your neighbor who was getting their boat ready this morning while you were coming to here. Hello. And the enemy wants you to continue to think and perceive that they've got a better life than you because they don't have the responsibilities you have and they don't have the convictions you have. And he'll try to convince you that your convictions are making you miserable. What you believe makes you miserable. In fact, when the devil comes, whether it's through a government or through, you know, some kind of propaganda, it's always, you just need to get rid of your morality. How many have you ever heard that? You just need to get rid of the, the tether of your morality and you would be free. Nothing could be further from the truth you free yourself from that, you're going to go into bondage, absolute, utter physical bondage. But yet the devil continues to try to lure us into thinking, well, if you just live a life of lasciviousness, that means a licentiousness that, that, that anything goes and you just do what you want. That's freedom. Nothing could be further from the truth. Was Jesus a free man? Did Jesus do what he wanted to do all the time? Yeah. No but he's a free man. Do you understand? See, freedom isn't being able to do what you want to do, when you want to do it, how you want to do it. That's not freedom. That creates bondages. Hello. If I felt free enough, you know, just right now, to to kiss Joel's wife right now in front of God and everybody it would create a severe bondage and pain from this side of the room here. You see what I'm saying? I might be free to do that, but it's going... Hello. But yet we're envious. We're envious of people that can do that. We celebrate rebels in our culture. Even in the church, we celebrate rebels in the church. Wearing long shirts with six-pack abs and, you know, those V-necks that go all the way down where you can see their belly hair. Come on now. <laughs> Rebellion in the church. Well, I'm just a rebel. I just dress like the world and look like the world, and I'm just a rebel for God. There's no such thing as a rebel for God. <clears throat> Hello. Do what I want to do. Hello. People get into that kind of bondage. And they begin to look at their neighbor and they begin to compare and they begin to, you know, compete. And they begin to try to live that way. Well, they don't have the problems I have. You know, my goodness, they're able to just go to work and everything's just fine for them. They don't have anything. And it's just like whenever I pray or give or do something, it's like the devil puts a big, you know, big old mark on my back and and he attacks me. And I. (laughs) Hello. Somebody right now is skiing. Right now. Somebody's got them some Coors Light and is drinking to their heart's content right now. Someone's rolling up a big fatty right now as we're sitting here. Other people are just doing whatever they want, whether it's watching television. And you can get an attitude that that's better living. Than what I'm getting here, listen to an old man bloviate. Hello. People get this idea. They'd rather hear what's coming out of that box in their room than the word. Well, I got to go to that nursery again. Well, I got to go to that class again. Do you realize that your rewards in heaven are based upon your attitude and what you do, <laughs> your physical body, and that watching TV is not on the list of heaven? Neither is skiing, neither, although it's fine. There's nothing wrong with skiing. There's nothing wrong with But if you're supposed to be somewhere and you're doing another thing, then... Hello. All right. He began to see the prosperity of the wicked, and it began to shake him began to say, well, why am I doing this? If they can go do this and, and nothing happens to them, they're out there messing around, and doing stupid stuff that's against the law. Okay? All right, so here we go, verse 4. It says, for they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. Now notice this. This is not true. This is not true. This is a true statement just like the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. That is not truth. That's a true statement because Job said it. Asaph is saying this. But it's not true. Everybody has pangs. Everybody goes through problems. Amen? The rain falls on the just and the unjust. But to him, because he's got his eyes on the wrong stuff, he thinks that these influencers and these actors and these musicians and these uh, um, athletes, they don't have anything, no problem whatsoever. You think Obama has to worry about his light bill? You think Nancy Pelosi has to worry about car insurance? Some of the things that you're wondering about, whether you're gonna buy gas or buy a loaf of bread, These elitists, they don't have any problem whatsoever in that regard. And you can sometimes look at that, and it can cause you to be embittered in your soul. That's what's happening to him. That's what's happening to Asaph. He's looking at these people, and he's seeing that they have no regard for God. They don't fear the Lord, but yet they seem like their life is going just the same, even better at times. It's getting quiet, but it's the truth, all right? He says, "'They're not in trouble as others are. "'They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. "'Therefore, pride is their necklace. "'Violence covers them as with a garment. "'Their eyes swell out through fatness. "'Their hearts overflow with folly. "'They scoff and speak with malice. "'Loftily, they threaten oppression.'" They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongue struts through the earth. Now, I just described the Biden administration. There's no more tongue strutting than what's going on right now. And there's absolutely mouths that, that, are, uh, that come against the heavens than what's going on in our world right now. They're people that have no fear of God, and they strut around with pride and folly, saying the most ridiculous things that common sense refutes. Not just the Word of God, but common sense refutes these claims that they have. This is the problem that's going on in the church. We're too focused on what the world is saying. And we're not putting our eyes upon what God has said. God has said some things. He has spoken the end from the beginning. In this book right here, he has us. He will take care of us. He is good. He will take and sustain our lives if we'll allow him to. But if we get our focus on what the world is saying, if we continue to fill our ears and our hearts and our lives with all the folly of the world and all the arrogance that is coming out of Washington and the governments of this world, then we are going to have our eyes on the wrong stuff. And we're going to slip. Where's God? I'll just give you an example. I was reading, I read the book of Esther. I was going to do a whole teaching on the book of Esther because we just (laughs) celebrated Purim, you know, last week. And I read that whole book, and man, I just saw a lot of things about today and what's going on today out of that book. And and so I decide, you know, before I go to bed that I'm going to, watch a little TV, and uh, of course, I don't watch network television at all. I don't watch the news, but on YouTube, they have excerpts of little programs where you don't have to watch the whole program, but you can watch uh, whatever this talking head says and what this talking head says, and, and you just get the crux of the thing. So, so I'm wanting to get some background information on Ukraine and the Ukrainian situation. And I'm wanting to learn a little bit, you know, what they know about what's going on and what they're saying. And, uh, you know, because I pray and the Lord tells me things and I just like to back it up. I like to back up what he's telling me. And so, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm watching this talking head and this talking head and this talking head. And by the time I'm through, faith just kind of just just kind of just floats out. Come on. I mean, you're just sitting there. What in the world? It's hopeless. <laughs> this is horrible. What is going on? Come on now. Cause you hear of all the silly stuff that's going on and all the, the the you know, all of the attacks against one another, and no one is clear about anything, and it seems like we're being sold a bill of goods that isn't. You know, the Lord spoke to me. And he wanted me to tell you this, but it's been out for a while, so I'm not saying that I corner the market on it, but he just, t- he just said, tell the church, it's not as it seems. It's not as it seems. And in fact, you could say that about everything that is being purported through our media and through our government right now. It is not as it seems. So you just can't take sides. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're not going to see me take a side on this. I am for all people, and I don't want any of them to perish. Nobody. Oh, Lord, don't let me say that. Okay. I'm going to say it anyway. Could we be the enemy in this fight? I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not talking about me and you. I'm talking about... Hello? Now, I do my disclosure class every month, but i got to give you this tidbit here. In 2005, a junior senator from Illinois went and established biological labs in Ukraine. What's his name? 2005. Before he ran for president. We are being duped. And it's time for the church to wake up. And here's what they're doing to us. They're getting us affected. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm America through and through. I'm United States through and through, but they're using our nationalism against us. They're using our patriotism against us. And they're saying, you're not a patriot if you're not with us. And I'm telling you, that's a tactic of the devil. Do I agree with Putin? No, I don't think Putin shouldn't be doing what he's doing. But I'm going to tell you, there's a reason for what he's doing. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm not saying that. He ha- Why in the world am I talking about this? But I'm just telling you, friends, the church gets duped, and our patriotism and our nationalism is pulled from us and used and manipulated to where we blindly follow leaders that have something to hide over there. Because that's not a sovereign nation. Ukraine is not a sovereign nation. Ukraine is a vassal state of the United States of America. Okay? When you see stuff like that, you can lose heart and see where's God in this? Why are people suffering? Where's God? And that's what he's saying. You see, you see these people that are touting and saying lies continuously, it can affect you. It can affect your heart. It can affect your mind. But notice what he says. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. So he's talking about these people that are bragging, people that are saying lofty things, people that are saying just outrageous things and, and, and guilty of doing horrible things, but yet the people turn to them. Oprah has said some of the stupidest things on planet earth, but people watch her stuff and take in her content with absolutely no question whatsoever. Why is that? There is a deception and an anointing upon these people that cause people to turn to them and look to them for help. Listen, these are not real people. They're actors. You don't even know who they are. They're playing characters. You don't have any idea. Just because they played a lawyer on law and order does not mean they understand the law. Just because they played a doctor... You know, on uh, uh, Gray's anatomy does not make them a doctor. They are play acting. Just like your children and your grandchildren get in the backyard and think that they're Batman, these people think that they're a doctor, a lawyer, a cowboy, whatever, and we're taking everything they say hook, line, and sinker. I know that Adele has a beautiful voice and it is a gift from God, but I don't like her politics and I don't believe everything she says. And you get to listening to some of these people. They don't even live on planet earth. But yet, that's exactly what Asaph was saying. He turned to them. Guilty of sex trafficking. Child molestation. And yet people will go see them. And pay money to listen to them speak or sing or they'll get speeches $50,000 for speeches and people will pay it and they're under indictment there are congressional investigations against them but yet people will flock and listen we are in the strong delusion friends it's only the church that's sparing everything. Once the church is gone, my goodness, I don't know. My goodness gracious. Hallelujah. Are we all right? You okay. You're a little quiet. This is too much for you. But this is exactly what he's dealing with right here. He says, you know, have you ever watched television and say, when are these people going to shut up? When is this going to stop? Well, it's not. It stops when you click it off and you start getting other information. Did you know God will speak to you about world events and you don't even have to watch the news? Did you know that? I didn't realize that until COVID hit. I remember it was I was surprised because I wasn't watching news because the 2012 election just threw me off of news. And I wasn't about to do the 2016 at all because it is a bunch of propaganda. Okay? So when we got to 2019 and the first of 2020, you know, I didn't really know much about what was going on. You know, I'm just doing the will of God and preaching the gospel. But I'm praying. I'm praying in tongues. And, I mean, I'm walking around this area right here just praying in the spirit. And the Lord just starts talking to me. And then when it hit, the Lord told me what it was. And I gave it to the staff. It was the, the day they told us we had to, you know, or supposedly we're supposed to shut down, which we went a week after, you know, we got nasty phone calls, but, um, um, you know, people wishing our horrible death you know, for being open. And um, so we went a little bit weak over there. And nasty words, too. Can you believe that? It's probably from a denominational member around here, too, you know. Um. (laughs) Hello. I've seen some nasty religious folk. But we were... uh, you know, He told me exactly what it is, and, and he, he told me that the virus is real, but the, the, um, the lockdown and everything is a hoax. He told me that. It's a hoax. It's a mean of control. He told me that. I've got it. I got it, and I sent it to people, and it's time-stamped, but I didn't know anything what was going on from the natural. I'm telling you, The Bible says that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will show you things to come. You need to start making a demand on that in your life. And when he started talking to me about this situation that we're in now, he just started talking to me about it. I didn't use news as the basis of what was going on. He just started talking to me about it. And I didn't even know the specifics. But he told me that there was a cover-up, and it's not as it seems Amen. But what do you do when you know the truth and everybody else is in a lie? What do you do? You get, you, you can either think, thank God, God's talking to me and I'm going to continue to press in him or you can get bitter about it. And that's what Asaph will He's getting bitter about it. Amen. Come on now. Oh my goodness. It gets better guys. It gets better. All right. It says, behold, these are the wicked. Well, verse 11 says, and they say, How can God know? Our one translation says, How can God even know what we're doing? God's not interested in what we're doing. We can do anything we want. God's not going to interfere. God's not going to do anything about it. Are you hearing that? Are you hearing that? Yeah, that's exactly what's happening in our world. It says, Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked. Always at ease, they increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean. Now, here's, here's the attitude that's in the church right now. In vain, I've kept my heart clean. I've stayed away from stuff and sanctified and walked in holiness and it's for nothing. There's people that are thinking that. They never say it. They're just thinking it. They're just thinking it. Well, wh- wh- why should I go to church? Why should I pray and seek God? If, 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 if I'm not going to, you know, if, if there's no difference between what's going on in the world and what I'm doing, and they're getting the same result that I'm getting, then, then why should that matter? Why, why should I do this? And maybe I should just stay home. Maybe I should p- pursue so hard. I'm here to tell you it matters what you do. It matters what you do. And it matters the attitude in which you do it. Amen? You've got to understand that life is a treasure. Life is a test. And life is temporal. Life is a treasure in the fact that what you do in this life opens treasures to you in the life to come. And you've got to understand that life is a test, that you are being tested for the time to come. And you've got to realize that it's temporal. It isn't going to last, guys. So stop acting like it's going to go on forever. It's not. Amen? Okay. All right, drop down to verse number uh, 16. It says, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. How many have wrestled with this in your mind? and It just seems weary. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. He said, listen, as I meditated on it in my mind, I couldn't get a handle on it. It didn't make sense to me. It didn't make sense to me how someone that doesn't live for God can have wealth and riches and seem like they have absolutely no problems in their life. When I meditated on that and wrestled with that, I got weary thinking about it because I'm feeling sorry for myself, I'm feeling sorry for the situation, and I'm envying other people for what they have. I've got my focus on the wrong things. Jesus said, "The eye is the lamp of the body." And he says, "What you put that lamp on? That is not window, that's a lamp. A beam of highlights something. It puts the emphasis on something. These spotlights can put the emphasis on something on the stage. That's what your eye is. It puts an emphasis on something. And he says, if your eye is good, your whole body will be filled with light. So if you're looking at the right things, if you're looking at the word of God, if you're looking at the things of God, then your whole body is going to be filled with light and life. Amen. But if your eye is bad, That means that it's divided. That it means it's looking at things that it shouldn't be looking at. It's looking at your neighbor. It's looking at the situation. It's looking at the circumstances. It's looking at the ideas and philosophies of this world. It's looking at other things. Material possessions. Wanting to attain a higher status financially. You're going to be, darkness is going to overtake your life. And darkness brings confusion. It brings you to a place in which you feel paralyzed in life and the great darkness that comes on you when the light that is in you becomes darkness because your focus is on the wrong thing. And that's exactly what's happening to us. The more we get into this, the more tempted we are to look The more tempted we are to highlight the fact that maybe we're not prospering the way other people are right now. Maybe we're not seeing what other people are seeing. Maybe the opportunities are there for other people, but it doesn't seem like it's there for us. But we need to understand that God is good and good is God. He is good. And no matter what we're going through, no matter what is going on in our life, God is inherently and absolutely good. The reason why I'm not experiencing it is because my eyesight is not on the goodness of God. It is on stuff that I want, stuff that I desire, stuff that you know brings me to a place where I'm serving my stuff. And when you start serving stuff, pain comes. Disappointment and discouragement and depression come. Because your stuff cannot sustain you. It cannot cause you to feel satisfied. Amen? But notice he says, but when I went into the sanctuary of God. See, he wasn't. All these other verses, he wasn't. Now, what do we mean by sanctuary in the New Testament? We're not talking about a building. We're talking about this building. Did you know that you can have the sanctuary of God walking around you and still not attend? (laughs) You can be as absent from this sanctuary as people are from this sanctuary. You don't show up, you don't worship. You don't pray, you don't seek the face of God, you're not showing up to the sanctuary. And the enemy knows that you've got a sanctuary on the inside of you. The greater one lives on the inside of you. He doesn't want the greater one unleashed in your life. So he wants you to focus on other things to where you begin to worship other things, you begin to seek other things, and you neglect the sanctuary of God. Amen? Amen? And that sanctuary, you see, is when we go in and we go to the place of prayer, we go to that secret place of the Most High. And he began to get some information and insight as to what these people, these God-haters, these people that are continuing to promote the devil's agenda in the earth, what their end is going to be. He said, I began to discern their end. And it says, truly, you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment swept away utterly by terrors, like a dream when one awakens. Oh, Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in my heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. There's people that have been mad at God for years. It's because they've been duped into thinking that what the devil did to them was God doing it. He said, nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you receive me to glory. Amen? Amen. Praise God. He's going to take care of you on the earth with his counsel. He's going to hold your hand. He's going to be with you continuously. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen? Amen. That's, where, that's not about heaven. That's about right here. That's about right now. Goodness and mercy overtakes you, runs you down and overtakes you. Praise God. Amen? Amen. And then he goes on and he says this, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. See, he's getting his eyesight right. At first, his eyesight was on everything that wasn't in heaven. But the Bible says that we are to seek that which is in heaven. We're to set our gaze on heaven. Amen? Hallelujah. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Amen? And it says, My flesh and my heart may fail. He says, listen, my life may come to utter and absolute ruin, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Amen? Praise God. If you lost everything, you'd still have everything. Amen? If you lost every material thing that you ever had, you still have everything. You have Jesus. Amen? Jesus is your prosperity. Jesus is your wealth. Jesus is your exceeding great reward. Amen? He says, For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. Amen? I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all of his works. Amen? Amen? It's good I said it's good I said it's good Whether it's times of barrenness Or whether times of plenteous God is good No matter what you're going through It is good for you to be near To God Now in the New Testament we're supposed to be in God Amen Our life is hidden with Christ in God So it's good to be in God But you know you can be in God And not active with him So it's good to be close. Amen? It's good to be close. See, I can be in close proximity to the brewers here, but not be in intimacy with them. He says, man, I'm going to take you by your right hand. No matter what you're going through, God has you. And it's not the hold you have on him, it's the hold he has on you. Amen? I'm here to tell you, friends, it's time to shirk this attitude off and begin to thank God. I'm just going to tell you right now: there are attitudes that are happening right now that are keeping you from experiencing the goodness of God. You've got a stinky attitude towards something that happened to you, something that a season that you've went through that you just have not submitted to the lordship of Christ. Just haven't done it. And you're wondering why you're not experiencing the joy of your salvation. And it's not because God has withheld anything from you. His hand is open and his face is towards you. It's the fact that your attitude is keeping you, creating a barrier between you seeing the goodness of God. And you know what the, the cure of that is? Thanksgiving. If you want to align your eyesight to God's sight, get thankful. Get thankful. Start thanking him. Well, there's not many things on me that work anymore. Well, thank him for what works. I don't have a lot going for me right now. Well, thank him for what's going on for you. I mean, you start thanking him for being able to blink your eyelids. You see where it'll take you. It'll continue to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Thankfulness breaks the spell. And it's a spell, guys. It's a spell. It's an absolute spell to get you to look at something else. And they're weaving spells by speaking these words to you that bring despair of heart, that cause you to lose faith. And the only way you can break that spell, Kirby, is by getting thankful. Thankful that depression, that, that, that discouragement that comes on you, praise God, you can just say, thank you, Lord. I just thank you that I'm alive. That's, sometimes that's all I've got. Yeah, right. Now, that ain't all I got in truth, but it's all I can perceive at the time. But I start there, start there. Lord, I just thank you that I'm breathing. I thank you that, you know, that, you know, I can walk. I'm grateful that I can, you know, taste and I'm grateful that I can see. And I just begin to thank God, you know, for what little hair I have. Always thank God for what you have, not for what you don't have. Don't focus on what you don't have. Stop focusing on what you don't have. Well, we had better gas prices than this. We had, stop focusing on that. Stop looking at that stuff. Focus on the solution. Focus on the answer. Doesn't mean it's not going to be, you know, a a burden to, to, to pay higher prices for stuff. And I'm not asking you necessarily to get comfortable in that. I'm glad you're agitated about it. But the truth of the matter is, it's our attitude about what we're going through that handicaps us to the glory of the kingdom that's on the inside of us. And God will provide. God will take care of you. He will take care of his people. He said, "Though a thousand fall by your side and 10,000 by your right hand. It will not come near you. Yeah. We've got to get more vigilant and more uh, aggressive with our covenant in these days. Amen. Now, if you're here and you don't know Jesus or you need to receive him or you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit or you need to be baptized in water, we'll, we'll still do it. There's going to be counselors that are going to be up here at the end of service, and they'll help and assist you with anything. God bless you, and I look forward to seeing you on Wednesday. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.